this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights podcast. Well, Disney has announced today that the Country Bear Jamboree will be closing on January 27th of this year in just a few weeks with the promise of reopening as the Country Bear Musical Jamboree later this summer. We talk about Disney's news and the new upcoming show. And then we talk about why we love the Country Bears and their significance to the park and to the original heritage of Walt Disney World. Disney has also hinted and suggested that more announcements of things to come to Magic Kingdom are on their way. And by the way, did you know that most people would rather be an animatronic bear? Well, <laughs> we'll share more of this and so much more in this podcast. So join us as we celebrate the Country Bear Jamboree. And make sure you check out DisneyInsights.com where we have lots of photos, videos, links, and more uh, as part of the podcast and the things that we're going to be talking today. If you have a chance, would you please just go over to you um, to iTunes or to your podcast delivery station and if possible give us a positive rating and even a review. That would help the uh, well the littlest podcast that ever could. We appreciate that so much. We appreciate your loyalty. Make sure when you're at DisneyInsights.com well that you uh, you subscribe so that you can be notified of podcasts as they come. Well let's start with Disney's announcement. Um, from their own uh, blog. Well, I'll just read what they shared. Quote, get ready to knee slap and toe tap to a little country twang this summer. If you've been too busy trotting through the Wild West and have missed the news, the country bears are getting ready to put on a new show that pays homage to the Opry-style shows of Nashville. While the Country Bear Musical Jamboree will include Easter eggs from the beginning to the end, including a familiar tune fans may remember, the Bears will sing new, reinterpreted Disney tunes in different genres of country music, like bluegrass, pop country, Americana, rockabilly, and other styles. Let me just stop right there. There's a little bit uh, to be noticed there. The Nashville approach to this suggests that we're getting a lot of different genres as they talk about in bluegrass, pop, country, rockabilly, and so so forth. So we get that little aspect. I love the fact that they're talking about having lots of Easter eggs um, from the beginning of the show to the end, including a familiar tune. That's an interesting thing. The obvious familiar tune, if they're particularly paying attention to utilizing Disney IP, which they have they have shared in their original D23 announcement. Well, the obvious one would be Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. That would be the obvious, especially because it would involve Sammy, the raccoon who comes out of um, Henry's hat. However, I should note that Henry, in the illustration that they have, um, has not only put a new Nashville looking kind of coat and bandana around his neck and so forth, he's actually sporting a country style hat, not a um, coonskin hat. So it's kind of, it's going to be interesting to see if Sammy still shows up in all this. Of course, another possible song that could come 
is, is just uh, Big Al doing his blood on the saddle. Uh, doesn't sound politically correct to sing blood on the saddle, but notwithstanding, you know Big Al's going to show up in some way. And then the the song that was actually orchestrated, and you hear this as you actually even enter the Magic Kingdom, uh, we hope that you'll be coming back again, which is a song you, they sing as you exit the theater. So I could say that any one of those songs, probably uh, Davy Crockett or Hope That You'll Be Coming Back Again, might be uh, one of the one of the pieces that you, that we'll be seeing coming back here. Now it goes on to say, uh, "quote To prepare for the show, Grizzly Hall will close temporarily beginning January 27th." and will reopen later this summer, end of quote. Well, summer, summer, summer. That could be anything between uh, mid-June and mid-September. So I'd rather like to think that maybe they might try to get it in in time for the 4th of July. I think that would be really terrific if they could have it uh, at least toward the center of what we consider to be summer as opposed to what the season technically is. But um, but I'm really thrilled to hear this because actually I thought that the show would probably reopen in at about the same time Tiana's did as kind of a combo to maybe offset some of the crowds and so forth. So this sounds like it's coming in much earlier than Tiana's. And, um, and then they talk about some additional things to come. We'll come back to that later on but let's first talk about why why we love the country bear jamboree if you've never seen the country bear jamboree it's hard to explain why this fairly modest attraction among massive experiences in walt disney world has such a beloved almost cult-like following if you're one of the people who don't get it you're not alone there are others even within disney for instance, many Imagineers don't get it. They went in with a knife and cut out over a fourth of the show a few years ago. Uh, they tried to make some of the bears more hip. It, it didn't work. Still, the show is so good, it survived despite it. Um, I prefer the original. Most people prefer the original. Most people remember um, when there was a holiday version at Christmas time and then also a summertime vacation hoedown version. People love all of that and, um, and yet they didn't seem to get it. They seemed to be more concerned about cutting down the length of the show so that people didn't just go there for a nap. They got to move crowds more and so forth. So it was frankly a little disappointing that they didn't get it but uh, and i certainly didn't think operations management ever got it because hours for the attraction began an hour after opening and always ended earlier than park closing can you imagine maybe maybe they'll start opening this attraction as the park opens and closing as the park closes and yet prior to opening you know, you can actually find a crowd of people standing around waiting to get in. They get it. They get it. They love the country bears, and that's why they're standing out there for the first showing. And throughout the day, you can usually find lots of guests. It's really beloved. But why? Well, here are my five reasons why, or my take at least, on why I think this is such a beloved attraction. The first thing is that it's really, frankly, unique. 
The Country Bear Jamboree was the first attraction built in Florida that hadn't been built in Disneyland. While originally designed for the Mineral King ski development, that was a an opportunity, a project Walt tried in the last years of his life to, to get moving, was to build a ski, a ski resort in um, in the Mineral King Valley of, um, of California. Um, the show ended up in Florida instead when that project came to an end and something was needed for Frontierland. The characters... Um, were largely designed by Mark Davis. Many people remember that his last conversation with Walt was actually showing him images and and uh, drawings that he had created for the show and and finding Walt that was completely delighted by. And then as Walt left, he actually said goodbye, Mark, which was strange to Mark because he never said goodbye. And yet that was the last time Mark Davis saw him. So for Mark Davis, this show holds, as an Imagineer, it holds, it held great meaning to him. And it frankly holds meaning to a lot of people. Much of the promotional material during those early years played up on attractions that were unique to Walt Disney World, such as the Hall of Presidents, the Mickey Mouse Review, and the resort nature of the property, which was shown in posters of the monorail going through the contemporary but they also showed the country bear jamboree i love the original um poster of that attraction merchandise was created uniquely for the attraction to include plush albums and i kid you not because i had them paper dolls of the of the bears well actually paper dolls of five or six of the bears I have to confess, as a kid, I actually created a stage, took a cardboard box, um, threw out one wall of the cardboard box. I put in a dowel rod with red curtains so that I could showcase the bears. And then I would play the Country Bear Jamboree album and make my parents sit and watch while I changed out the bears, which was really dumb because they were just paper. <laughs> They were just paper doll kind of things sitting there. All the while they were listening to that, they must have been really patient with me and they must have been thinking that I perhaps needed some additional therapy. That never happened, which is why I still love the Country Bears uh, today. It is just that unique. And that's number one, it's unique. Two, it was the top of the ticket book. Up until Big Thunder Mountain, the biggest ticket item in Frontierland was the Country Bear Jamboree. It started as a D ticket, as I recall, in the ticket book, but there was no e-ticket attraction in Frontierland at that time. When the rafts to Tom Sawyer Island were finally built, Country Bears was promoted to being an e-ticket attraction, and it remained so until Big Thunder Mountain was built in 1980. I have a picture of uh, that ticket at that time, that was at the time Pirates of the Caribbean had joined up. I think previously, if I recall, Mickey Mouse Review had originally started as an e-ticket and then got demoted. Maybe not. I'm trying to look across at my original tickets. At any rate, Adventureland had Pirates. At this time, Adventureland had Pirates of the Caribbean and Jungle Cruise. Frontierland had Country Bear Jamboree. Liberty Square had both. The whole 
of Presidents and the Haunted Mansion. Fantasyland had It's a Small World and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And then Tomorrowland had Space Mountain. This is this is around the mid-1970s uh, after both Space Mountain and Pirates had opened. Now remember, there were advantages to this. Re first of all, there was always more E and D tickets than C, B, and A tickets, which is how you went around the park. You didn't just go on any ride you wanted to. You had to show one of these tickets. And so an A ticket would be the carousel or the omnibus or horse-drawn trolley in Main Street or um, what was the Main Street cinema. You'd walk in and actually pay an A ticket to go on that attraction. Um, Anyway, E-tickets at that time were about 90 cents. D-tickets were about 75 cents. C-tickets, 50 cents. B-tickets, 25 cents. And A-tickets were 10 cents. By the way, you could buy them individually. You could add more tickets just by... Can you imagine being able to see all the attractions? At this kind of cost, you could see all the attractions at Magic Kingdom for approximately $25. I mean, it wouldn't have been much more than that. As an uninformed guest, given that information, you're going to think to yourself, well, if I'm going to get my money's worth, I better use up those E and D tickets before I'm through with the day. And so you would be looking for the thing you could go use the E ticket on. And that, in this instance, was the Country Bear Jamboree. And because there wasn't anything further, there wasn't any Big Thunder or Splash Mountain built out. You just had the train station up ahead. It was kind of a dead end area. And so... You know, if you had started in Magic Kingdom and you had gone made a left, you might have gone on Jungle Cruise and Pirates, but you still had a couple more e-tickets left and you probably saw the Country Bear Jamboree. And there were long lines established with that. You could see video of the early days and long, long wind-back queues going to the Country Bear Jamboree. As a contrast to that, Mickey Mouse Review, despite the fact that it had a massive theater, never had the same demand as the Country Bear Jamboree. Um, it was never top of the ticket in Fantasyland because it had to compete with both It's a Small World and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Later, it was pushed to a D ticket instead of an E, sealing its fate as not as important to you. So, so remember, people saw this as an important attraction because it was an E ticket attraction. Um, three, location, location, location. I just referenced that a minute ago, but let's talk about it further. In the early days, the Country Bear Jamboree was at the center and the edge of the frontier. Remember, the Pirates of the Caribbean at, in the very early years was not yet open. So guests were coming from the Jungle Cruise Landing or Tropical Serenade. At that time, the Tropical Serenade or the Enchanted Tiki Room were both the tickets and they were and then you were coming right into the Country Bear Jamboree. In fact, back then, you didn't even have the walk-around area because there was no Pirates Caribbean uh, Village or anything like that. So you actually kind of dead-ended where um, Tropical Serenade and Chanted Tiki Room was, and then you came over to Country Bear Jamboree. Other than Davy Crockett's Canoes and eventually the railroad station in Frontierland, which did not even open when the park at the very first when the park opened, there was simply nothing else to go visit. No Splash Mountain, no Thunder Mountain. So visiting the Country Bear Jamboree seemed like the thing to do while you were in Frontierland. Even after you added Pirates, it was still very much the thing to do. And then there was Tomorrowland. Much of what we know as Tomorrowland did not open until 1975. Attractions like the Carousel Progress, the People Mover, the Star Jets, 
and especially Space Mountain, they all were not there on opening day. Only a few attractions existed, and there was constantly a lot of fencing around everything else. Kind of like it looks in Fantasyland. Um, or in um, Fantasyland. Well, anyway, let me just say that once those attractions all opened, people naturally turned to the right and headed into um, uh, Tomorrowland. But up until then, they turned left and headed toward Adventureland and Frontierland. So that part of the park played much more prominently in the agenda of the guests visiting the park in the very early days of the 1970s. Um, four. Um, a technically great attraction. In 1971, the concept of audio animatronics had reached its first decade. The technology had progressed significantly. Remember, it had only been 10 years before where the Tiki Room, which was the first thing at, at Disneyland, had first opened. That was, that was leading technology in the early 60s. And now, 10 years later, here are these more sophisticated than anything you could find in Chuck, and, uh, Chuck E. Cheese. In fact, Christopher Finch's Art of um, the Art of Walt Disney summarized it well when he said, quote, The Country Bear Jamboree is a more lighthearted affair, comparing it to the Hall of Presidents, a dozen audio animatronic bears put on a performance straight out of the Grand Ole Opry. Interesting that he used the Grand Ole Opry as a reference back when he wrote this book in the 70s. The greatest success of the characters in the bear band, parentheses, and this holds true of all audio animatronic figures, is the skill with which their eyes have been programmed. The audience's attention is instinctively drawn to their eyes. If they were not convincingly naturalistic, the entire illusion would break down, end of quote. Well, this certainly plays out when you visit Tokyo Disneyland. I've often said that my favorite Magic Kingdom park is Tokyo Disneyland because they took the best of Disneyland and Walt Disney World. In the case, in the case of the Country Bear Jamboree, it's still there. It's in a two-theater location, and they do a a uh, holiday show and a summer vacation show. Mind you that um, the show is in both English and Japanese. I have a video of it um, on DisneyInsights.com. You want to see this play out. But here's the thing that really captures your attention when you look at this show and Tokyo Disney. They do an amazing job of keeping up the quality of those animatronics and making them look just and they just come to life. You know how it is sometimes when, when like maybe uh, an eyelid kind of is halfway down on an animatronic character, or it just seems a little slurred in their movement. No, you don't get that at Tokyo Disney. You get a perfect performance. Really, it's it's amazing. Number five. I didn't grow up in Florida, but I saw the Country Bear Jamboree when it first opened at Disneyland in 1972. The memory of that experience came to me as I watched the show um, in the Magic Kingdom over the years. Guests were still clapping away as the five bear rugs came forward with musical number. I remember as a child, I would, and here I am, just a small preteen kid, 
I would try to get the audience to clap along at those particular songs. One person clapping could get the whole room clapping. And it was always my test to see as a kid whether I could get the entire room clapping. Because I had the album, I sang along with the lyrics, though I found many doing the same when it came to Henry and Sammy's rendition of the Ballad of Davy Crockett. The possibility of interacting with the show and the audience always made this show a must-do for me. I, Disneyland had eat, the, eat, uh, the, the five ticket ABCDE tickets as well. And let me tell you, I always reserved an e-ticket to go see the Country Bear Jamboree. And by the way, also, one of the few animatronic shows that doesn't come from a film and has actual walk-around characters. You can see Terrence or Big Al or Wendell walking around the park. I remember seeing these bears actually originally in what was Disney on Parade, which was kind of... um. Um, Disney on Wood. <laughs> it was a dance show. It wasn't an ice skating show, but it was an arena show. And their fourth season had the Country Bears. In fact, they even had um, the, uh, the uh, um, Bunny Bubbles and Beulah actually were on trapezes above doing effects in these bear costumes. And, and you can still see the bears walking around today or waving from um, up on top of the theater. And, and guests love to interact with them when they're walking around. It's it's really quite cool. So uh, those five reasons, I think, are the reasons why people love it. It's unique. It is top of the ticket book. It is um, in a terrific location. It's technically a great attraction. And it's interactive. Even if you define interactivity as just simply stomping your feet and, and clapping your hands. By the way... Um, in a satire look at the year in review back in 2011, The Onion, which is kind of a news source, uh, play on news actually, announced a very playful statistic. If you, um, um, uh, basically here is the text that from that article, um, that, um, was uh, at that time accompanied by a video of the Country Bear Jamboree. Quote, and lastly, in the year's most significant statistical study, researchers discovered this spring that 96% of humans would rather be a singing, dancing animatronic bear. The study found that sitting on a plastic log, strumming a banjo, and singing songs on a stage with all your goofy bear friends is for the vast majority of the people on the planet far preferable to one's current state of existence. Uh, for me, um, that was kind of their, their quotation. Uh, for many Disney fans, such data, honestly, makes sense and can easily be assumed and taken as legitimate. But these are just the bare facts. Those who think critically may want to dig deeper and ask the following questions. One, would those numbers be higher or lower if Disneyland still had the Country Bear Jamborees playing? Two, if all the guys or girls that turned me on didn't turn me down, would those numbers fluctuate? 
Three was running 90 miles an hour, making 30 feet a jump, the mean, the medium, or the mode. Four, is there a standard deviation between those who want to whip, pound, or shoot? Little Buford. Five, what statistical percentage of the blood all around was inclusive of what was on the saddle and what was on the ground? And finally, six, were studies done on an individual's preference toward being a grim grinning ghost or an enchanted tiki bird? This, of course, barely scratches the surface, but you get the idea. Um, yeah, you get the idea. At any rate, um, now wait, there is more because Disney in its announcements today went on to talk about some details about Tiana's Bayou adventure, about a new weather vane going in. But then they shared the following, quote, but hold your horses, we're not done yet. We have a lot of growth and investment planned for our theme parks in the coming years and look forward to sharing more announcements about Frontierland. So y'all come back now, you hear? End of quote. So it'll be interesting to see what will come. As I mentioned in my uh, preview of 2024 and all the things that are coming, I think we announced over 30 different things, attractions and um, and offerings that were coming to Disney parks. I said, I think that there is more to be announced for Walt Disney World this year, not be just D23. I mean, just look at this announcement recently of the Little Mermaid coming back to the studios. I just really think there is more to come. Wouldn't it be great if Citizens of Hollywood made a comeback? Uh, wouldn't it be great if we had maybe the canoes uh, come back, you know, that you can do the canoes at Disneyland and Tokyo Disney. And you can't do them here, but wouldn't it be great if you could go back and do the canoes? There's just lots of little things that may be coming back or maybe new or maybe being revised like the Country Bear Jamboree. It, it would be really great to see that happen. Now, if you didn't come to the Magic Kingdom in the 1970s, you might be confused as to why anyone would care about the Country Bear Jamboree. There are so many other things at the Magic Kingdom and throughout Walt Disney World that, well, compete for your time. But this venerable attraction is important to generations who have visited this park. And hopefully the changes ahead will keep this attraction timeless for years. Talking about generations, Disney has celebrated 100 years of uh, magic. And my newest book, A Century of Powerful Disney Insights, is available on Amazon. It's a great way to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. In over 100 years, the Walt Disney Company has emerged as one of the most successful entertainment entities across the globe. In what is the first of two volumes, we study the first 50 years of Disney, beginning with Walt and Roy. We look at major milestones and not only see the evolution of an organization begun in a garage, but how it truly became so beloved to millions around the world. From Oswald the Lucky Rabbit to Mickey Mouse, through Snow White and Cinderella, from the Mouseketeers to Mary Poppins, and from Disneyland to Walt Disney World, we share stories and insights from 1923 to 1973. We hope you'll be inspired with ideas and how you can apply them to stories in your own life and work. So please go check out A Century of Powerful Disney Insights. It is uh, 
the, the link is available on the show notes of this page and also at DisneyInsights.com. Finally, if you want to create excellence in your own organization, remember that this podcast and post is provided by myself and Performance Journeys, which just celebrated its 20th year as a training and development group bringing best in business ideas through books, keynotes, workshops, seminars, and online tools to help you take your organization to the next level. If you want a keynote speaker, come talk about what is the magic of Disney. It's more than just nice stories. I offer proven insight and solutions having worked in the trench with organizations, working with a consulting firm just tomorrow and helping them improve their customer delivery. I'm also working right now with the Army Corps of Engineers in another location and project, helping them improve their leadership. I take this, I provide consulting, provide support through um, classroom, online, and other resources. So whether you are looking to improve customer service or leadership development or employee engagement or um, team dynamics, contact us. Again, you could look at the show notes page or come to DisneyInsights.com and uh, and let us help you on your performance journey well we have so much more to cover i just wanted to take time to add to this probably going to add an additional well additional podcast sometime this month but um we are definitely heading out to the new festival of the arts this year and trying out some things and uh, we have some dining reviews just went to chef mickey's and uh been to Steakhouse 71, and I'm overdue for doing um, a couple of I've done that about four times, and I have not yet done a podcast, I think, on Steakhouse 71. We're going to be doing that soon, so be on the lookout. Again, subscribe. We appreciate you joining us. Always in the words of Alan Menken, Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, follow the compass of your heart as you embark on this new year. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.